Gracious Father, you are our good, good Father. There is nothing that you do that is sinful or evil. Uh, you are perfect in all of your ways. Uh, and we're thankful for that. Uh, there's a comfort to know that even in your discipline of us, as you show us the sins that we need to confess, the things that we need to surrender and let go of, you're good in even that. Because uh, it is for our betterment. It's for us to experience more and more the fullness of who you are. Uh, and so, Father, as we uh, take a look at this second aspect that uh, Paul is pointing out in the text here in opposition to uh, what characterized us in the old self uh, and what we are in the new self, uh, that you would teach us, uh, that you would guide us, uh, and that you would help us to uh, lean upon you uh, in every aspect of our lives, no matter what corner of our lives that may be, that we would hold nothing back, that we would surrender all uh, to your care, uh, and to your truth, which will transform us and make us more like you. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. And today our text is going to be verses 26 and 27. And I've entitled the sermon, Not All Anger is Sin. Uh, and as we begin, uh, I'm going to acknowledge something here this morning that uh, you are already very much aware of, and that is that you have emotions. And some of you are emotional, taking those emotions to a place that maybe you should not go, allowing your emotions to get the best of you. But as we look at what an emotion is, and it's important for us to know what emotion is because uh, the Word of God has something to say about the different types of emotions that we experience, some of which we can experience in a good and profitable way, while others we can experience in a not profitable, in, in a uh, diminishing way uh, that ends up robbing us of things that God wants to show us through his word as we surrender those emotions to his care. But as you take a look at the dictionary definition of an emotion, it says it is a conscious mental reaction, such as anger or fear, subjectively experienced as strong feeling, usually directed toward a specific object, and typically accompanied by uh, physiological and behavioral changes in the body. So our emotions are a response to the things around us. Um, it could be at a particular object. Uh, it could be at a particular individual. It could be in relation to uh, whatever we deem is necessary to be emotional with. The late psychologist Robert uh, Pluchik uh, believed that humans can experience over 34,000 unique emotions. So it's very easy to say that we're probably all a bunch of emotional basket cases if there's that many unique emotions that stem from what he considered eight primary emotions. That of anger, fear, sadness, joy, disgust, surprise, trust, and anticipation. But when you think about these emotions, you know, and when you think about who you are individually, you know, we all process things differently. There are ways in which, you know, depending upon our current um, mental condition, uh, maybe past experiences, 
uh, you know, what is actually at stake. Uh, you know, if it's, a, it's something that is a high stake or a low stake, we'll determine our interaction with it, but also our own personal expectations in relation to things. Sometimes our expectations are unrealistic and therefore setting us up for some sort of emotional response that isn't going to be good for ourselves individually or for anyone around us. But let me ask you a question. Did you realize that God also has emotions? Okay, well then I guess I can stop preaching right here, right? But see, God does have emotions. We can look in the Bible and see that God, uh, God's love, his compassion, his jealousy, his hate, his grief and anger being exhibited in the scriptures. You know, these are all central to his personhood, you know, because he has emotion. But there's something that we need to identify because if we look at how we interact with things from an emotional standpoint and then, you know, transpose that onto God, then we're not going to see God in the perfection of his emotion. And there is a definite difference, and this is important to our text today. See, the thing is, is we need to realize that God and his ways are above us. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I think we just sung that he is perfect in all of his ways. And see, again, another one of those coincidences, right, Terry? But see, God is... You know, in all of his ways, everything that God does above us. Uh, we, we see this as what we call God's uh, incomprehensibility. And I'm sorry for such a large word at, you know, before 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. But listen to these texts in Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. It says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Well, it's rhetorical. Because there's no one like our God. And the thing is, is you need to see God as he is in order to understand how God's emotion is different from our emotion and how God engages things as opposed to how we engage things. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So again, we always talk about God being wholly other, you know, wholly distinct from us because we are sinful. And apart from God intervening as he did through Jesus Christ, which we are going to remember this morning, everything that we do Everything that we think, every emotion that we have, everything that we engage in is going to be affected and is going to be seen through that filter that is still sinful. It is not perfect in all of its ways, okay? Because, yes, in Christ, we are righteous because we have a righteousness not our own, that we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. But as we've seen from our text, we have put off the old and put on the new, we do have a new divine nature from God because of Christ, but that still does not fully perfect us on the horizontal, living out, practical, everyday life. Positionally, God sees us because he, he sees us through his son, Jesus Christ. But as we live out the Christian life, you know, there are times at which we're going to get emotional and we're not going to say the right thing or do the right thing 
or even think the right thing. And we saw Jesus even addressing that in the Sermon on the Mount. But see, the thing is, as we think about God, we have to remember that God is perfect in his character, in his word, and actions. Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 and 4 says, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. What a beautiful declaration by Moses to see that about God. The one who is the rock, whose work is perfect. That means without flaw. So when we think about God and his emotions, we cannot superimpose what we see in us being lived out emotionally as that's how God is as well. Because there's some emotions that we have that God does not have. Because under the emotion of fear, God does not have fear. Because God is perfect in all of his ways. Fear shows that there is a lack in something. Whether it's how we perceive it or how we you know, envision it. God's emotions are sinless. Without sin. Perfect in all of the ways. So we can say that God never gets emotional. Because being emotional is taking that emotion to a place it should never go. And the thing is, as we look at ourselves, we are very much people potentially filled with 34,000 unique emotional combinations at any given moment when we live life through the flesh. When we don't see that we have a new divine nature and live life and approach life and all of its problems, all of its ups and downs, and live it out as God is all the time. It's a hard task. But see, in our text this morning, the question is posed is, is it possible to have righteous anger, which anger is an emotion? Because the thing is, is if God in his anger, as we see in the scriptures, takes that anger to a place it should not go, that God ceases to be God. But see, that is never the case. Even God in his anger, which is an emotion, only does that which is the very best, what is perfect, what is right, what is just, what is gracious, what is merciful, what is loving. All of his character attributes coming together in their perfection, in their totality, because that is who he is. And the thing is, is because we have been given a divine nature, we have the capability, as we rely in the power of God, to actually have our emotions honor God, as opposed to honoring our own desires. And that's why we needed to see this, because as it says there in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. See, God's anger is always righteous. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Well, why does God you know, feel indignation every day? Because the world in which he made, which was perfect in all of its ways, 
It was, it was good and very good because it came from the God who is good and perfect. And man messed it up because man sinned, because man chose to disobey God. And that's us today. There's nobody to blame. So when you think about sin before a holy God, have all those fingers point back at yourself. When Jesus poured out the coins and overturned the tables in the temple courts, he exhibited the same righteous anger because they had defiled the temple, making it a den of robbers. So when we think about righteous anger, because as it says here in the text, it says, be angry. You know, and you could stop right there and say, well, God gave me permission to be angry because it just says, be angry. But it doesn't stop there. It says, be angry and do not sin. So what is that saying? Well, it's saying that there is an anger that is not based in sin. Because we know that God, who has emotion, and we are created in his image and have been given emotions as well, is that we have the capacity to be angry and not sin. See, righteous anger is never selfish never out of control, never malicious. So when you look at God's anger and the fact that he has indignation every day, which he has the right as the, the perfect God of all, whose law has been spit upon, his creation turned its back upon, suppressing the truth of who he is in light of who they are, he has the right because his holiness has been affronted. It is under attack. But see, remember, he is also sovereign over all. And he will hold us all accountable to his, perfect, his perfection. See, it is possible for us to have a righteous anger. In other words, an anger that does not result in sin. Remembering from 2 Peter chapter 1, and I've alluded to this multiple times already, is that we have become partakers of the divine nature. And because we have that divine nature, we have within us the capacity to have a righteous anger just like God has righteous anger all the time. Otherwise, Paul is telling us to do something that is sinful and against God and we should just ignore it and, and realize that the word of God is full, right here is an error. Because Paul is telling us to do something that would be an affront to God, to be angry. So the thing is, is where is that anger coming from and what is that anger for? Because that makes all of the difference. God's anger is always coming out of that which is perfect because he is perfect. So it's always righteous anger. See, righteous anger is driven by godly concerns and not man's selfishness, which when you look at your anger, even as a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to see it as God sees it. Your anger, unless it is a righteous anger, is selfish in nature. And oftentimes when let un left unchecked will be out of control because you've become emotional, because you engage your world in such a way that you throw out everything that the mind represents, everything that the mind would tell you about the truth of the word of God and say that my emotions are supreme and therefore I'm going to live and act out of them. 
So what godly concerns? Well, when we think about righteous anger, it's God's character, God's holiness, God's glory, God's law, and God's word. We should have a righteous anger or indignation every day of everything that we think, say, or do that is contrary to who God is. We should have a righteous anger and indignation towards everything outside of ourselves that is against who God is in his character, in his glory, in who he is. In other words, what God hates, we should hate. We shouldn't call it good. We shouldn't say, well, and make an exception. See, the word of God is here for a particular purpose to tell us exactly what angers God's, you know, uh, or angers God in who he is. What part of his character, holiness, glory, law, and word have been compromised? And the thing is, that is in relation to how it pertains to not only us individually, because we can see anger in other people very easily. We can see it exhibited all over. But the thing is, we need to look at ourselves first. What do we do in anger that does not glorify God? Maybe it's yelling at our children and acting out in anger instead of showing them that what they're doing is being disobedient to God first. I've been there. But God is good and he teaches and his character and who he is is continuing to transform me. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So why is that last phrase put in there? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Well, see, this is a caution. This is in the text where we need to say, well, wait a minute. It it commands us to be angry and do not sin. But it also says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So in other words, deal with anger quickly. Whether it is an ungodly anger or even a righteous anger. Because the thing is, is that you're still not perfect in all of your ways as God is. And even a righteous anger, which begins in the right mindset, the right heart set, because we are, with God, offended that God has been wronged if given too much time, can even become unrighteous anger. And we lose what the focus is, and all of a sudden it becomes something it isn't. George Sweeting said, a student said to him once, I lose my temper, but it's all over in a minute. And he answered that student and said, and so is a hydrogen bomb. But think of the damage it produces. See, that's what happens when our anger is left unchecked. That is what happens when our anger is not righteous. Be angry and do not sin. Because anger does hurt the one who is angry and those who are on the receiving end of the the person who is angry. No matter how you package it, no matter what you think and justify Anger is deadly. 
when it is not righteous anger. And even righteous anger, and again, notice the context, be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. So in other words, don't be angry for more than 24 hours, whether it's a righteous indignation against those who are against God, or if it ends up being a sinful anger. See, God knows. And see, God only, because he is perfect in all of his ways, can always be, as it says here uh, in our text, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Only the perfect God of all has the control because he is perfect. And his anger is righteous anger. Because if we don't realize that anger is deadly, particularly when it's not a righteous anger, we need to see that it brings the devil. Look at verse 24, or 27. It says, And give no opportunity to the devil. That word opportunity in the Greek can mean power, an occasion for acting, make room for, or foothold. Okay, well, what is a foothold? Okay, a foothold is a position usable as a base for further advance. Think of it this way. I mean, if you've ever rock climbed or gone, you know, on an indoor rock climbing wall, it's very important that you get sure footing with your feet in order to let go of your hand to reach for the next hold. Well, see, the thing is, and that's for the purpose of continuing to get up that incline to get to the very top. Well, think of this in relation to Satan when we allow anger that is not righteous to dwell in our minds and our hearts. It's giving him the position, a usable position, as a base to further advance in our life, to give him more opportunities to be who he is in our life. Church family, we need to see that anger is one of the most destructive feelings a believer can have. Let me say that again. Anger is one of the most destructive feelings a believer can feel. That's why when it says be angry, we need to remember the context. Be angry and do not sin. And even when we do not sin in our anger, don't let the sun go down on that anger. In other words, get rid of it quickly because the potential is there. It can lead to rage, to bitterness, to clouded judgment. You know, the scriptures are full of verses. Here's a couple to consider and chew on. Proverbs 29.11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. So when you become angry and it's not a righteous anger, then you are a fool. And you are giving lodging to what you should not be giving lodging to. And you are opening yourself up so that there is a foothold for Satan himself. In the spring of 1894, the Baltimore Orioles, 
which I'm sorry to tell you that I, well, was a Baltimore Orioles fan because I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. But the Baltimore Orioles came to Boston to play a routine baseball game. But what happened that day was anything but routine. The Orioles' John McGraw got into a fight with the Boston third baseman. Within minutes, all the players from both teams had joined in the brawl. The warfare quickly spread to the grandstands. Among the fans, the conflict went from bad to worse. Someone set fire to the stands and the entire ballpark burned to the ground. Not only that, but the fire spread to 107 other Boston buildings as well. Do you see what anger can become? That doesn't mean every time you get angry that you're going to burn down a stadium. But think about what you do in harm, not only to yourself, but to others when you become angry. It's as if a grandstand is burning down, as if a ballpark is burning down, and everything around it, because that's how detrimental anger is. It is one of the most destructive feelings. And so that is why when we are angry, it should be in light of God's holiness, God's perfection. Never in selfish endeavors. Because as I said, righteous anger can actually transform into sinful anger. Because you forget about what you're being angry about, and all of a sudden the focus goes off of you know, God's character, God's glory, God's perfection, God's word, his law, onto something else. And you completely lose sight of what you originally were even angry about, and it becomes something that is not righteous any longer, but something that is unrighteous. And the thing is, it, it builds. It continues to, to grab hold of you. And you don't care who you hurt in the, in the long run. One fight between two baseball players burned down a stadium. This is why we should never give an opportunity to the devil. No foothold to him. You remember last time, the reason why we shouldn't put ourselves in a situation in relation to the devil, because there's no truth in him. Remember, he is a liar and the father of lies. But we can also know from 1 Peter chapter 5 that he is actively looking for these opportunities. And if you open the door just enough where he, Satan can get his foot into that door and stop the door from closing, that's why we have a caution in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 5. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Be sober-minded. So you need to remember, we are in a battle. This is not a pleasure cruise. The Christian life is a battlefield. It's a battlefield to make sure that everything we do is in light of who we are in Christ Jesus, in that divine nature, and not giving Satan the foothold that he is looking for. See, when we give the devil a foothold, we are giving him permission to tempt, to divide, to sow discord, to deceive. And when we embrace anger in our hearts, then we are doing the devil's work for him. 
and opening ourselves to more sin, more compromise, more denial, more justification. See, this is why it's crucial. Be angry and do not sin. And even if that's the case, do not let the sun go down on that anger. Because anger is one of the most destructive feelings a believer can feel. And if not done for the right reasons and in the power of the God who has given us a new nature, then it can literally burn everything down around us, leaving nothing but ashes and soot and destruction. So how should this inform our lives today? You know, in John chapter 8, verse 29, Jesus says, And he, speaking of his Father, who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. See, the son trusted the father. He didn't go to sleep at night and wonder if the father was just going to abandon him and leave him. He has not left me alone. Matter of fact, he sent me for a particular purpose. But Jesus didn't just go to earth and take on flesh and live however he wanted to. And even when he showed that righteous anger by turning over those tables, it was for God's glory that he was doing it. So it was perfect in all of its ways, in its intent, and what it was you know, speaking out against through his actions, his emotions. And so I think for us today, that's what we should seek to do is to please God. Because when we please God, then we are going to be angry and not sin. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1. He says, And so from this day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Fully pleasing to who? To him, to God. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Patience with joy. Not impatience, which is anger working itself out because you become impatient with the way things are. See, it's strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might so that we can endure with patience and joy. Verse 12 goes on to say, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of saints in light. He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Do you see what God has done? And as we think about communion, God did something beautiful in his perfection. Instead of acting on his righteous indignation, which he had every right to do because we are all sinners and the wages of our sin is death. But God is also long-suffering 
and loving and compassionate. So much so that he sent his son. Didn't send his son and leave him alone. He was with him, as it says there in John 8. He has not left me. And what Jesus did was that which was pleasing to his father. And that's what we need to do today as believers, to do that which is pleasing to the father. That when we do get angry, be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on that anger. And never, ever give a foothold to the devil. Because that's what he's looking for. And he will capitalize on that. He can't make you do anything, but boy, he can certainly tempt you to continue brooding and staying in that anger to the point where that anger becomes rage. And that rage is working itself out in some way that is not only hurting you, but everyone around you and even those you love because you have allowed your emotions to get the best of you. And that's not who we are in Christ Jesus. We've been given a divine nature by God the Father through the Son. We've been filled with the knowledge of his will because we have his word. We can pray and and ask for spiritual wisdom and understanding as we study his word so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, being fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in that knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his might so that we can endure until the end and experience God's joy because we are pleasing to him. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, I thank you for this beautiful section of your word because it's here for a particular purpose in light of the fact that we have put off the old self and put on the new self, that we have a divine nature now because of your son that we need not just be angry selfishly, but because we're believers in in your son, we have been given the, the capacity to actually have a righteous anger, to be angry at those things which anger you. But Father, there's a caution there for us to be angry and do not sin, but also not to let the sun go down on our anger because we are still frail, we are still weak when we stand in our own strength, in our own understanding. But we are overcomers when we stand in your strength and in your power. You are the one who can help us to endure. You are the one who can help us get unrighteous anger under control and out of the way. So that's not who we are but instead would be those that love one another as we should, forgive one another as we should, keep short accounts with one another as we should, because we want to see you lifted up and glorified, because you are the God who is perfect in all of your ways. And our goal, as those who love you and are thankful for what you've done, should be to please you in everything that we think, say, and do. So, Father, give us that today. Help us to surrender what we need to. Help us through your power to keep our emotions where they should be. In light of your holiness and not in light of sinful flesh. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.